Kyle Style Podcast, back once again. This episode is brought to you in part by Kyle Style Design. Visit redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Kyle Style Design and get some uh, original artwork and designs on leggings, phone cases, book covers, etc. Uh, in your life, uh, give it as a gift and contribute to the podcast that way. You can go over to the GoFundMe and throw me like a dollar an episode or whatever. Uh, all contributions are appreciated, and they all help to keep this thing moving. So it's the 4th of July, Independence Day, for the United States anyway. I'm sorry the rest of the world lives in darkness and bondage, but uh, we're living it up here and setting off massive amounts of explosives in the uh, lower atmosphere and making all of our major cities sound like, uh, well, Baghdad or some other very violent place, maybe. Uh, Raqqa, Syria, or something like that, and put me in the right frame of mind to open a whole new section of the Kyle Style podcast. I kind of want to do a series thing here. It's called Visions of the Apocalypse. Now, if you're like me, I'm like a, I don't know, I'm like a late stage millennial, and uh, I kind of, I don't exactly relate to the uh, younger millennials, it's like a different world kind of thing, but uh, apparently I'm technically a millennial. Uh, there's a f- deep fascination with uh, apocalyptic things, post-apocalyptic uh, you know, media and everything else. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but uh, what I want to do is uh, do a little series here. I'm going to break down various... Uh, various formats that uh, the end of the world has been presented to us in various media and everything, and I'll include uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, YouTube playlists and book suggestions, and there'll be a, kind of a reading list, viewing list kind of thing included with each uh, episode. So follow along with the titles and everything else, and I'll uh, guide you through uh, various uh, end-of-the-world scenarios. And maybe it might not be complete destruction of the whole world, but it's going to be horrifically destructive, part you know, uh, versions of the end of the world. So, I wanted to start off with uh, so visions of the apocalypse, uh, nuclear holocaust. So, as as I touched on in I don't know, it was the second episode of Kyle Style podcast was uh, uh, cultural fallout was the name of that episode, and it was all about how, especially in the West, I I imagine there's something similar maybe in Russia, Uh, maybe other, you know, nuclear powers have a similar kind of uh, relationship with this, is that the Cold War, um, post-World War II, you know, we invented nuclear bombs, uh, atomic bombs, later we invented hydrogen bombs, which were even bigger, or, you know, uh, the Russians got a hold of them, and became this giant global nuclear standoff and we had you know mad mutually assured destruction was kind of the the policy that we had established which was this uh very tense uh high level kind of you know radar systems and spy planes and there was actual spies like in our country and in in Russia and the Soviet Union and and we we, the, the world kind of waited for us to nuke everything, right? Uh, they waited for the, the, the 
ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles to launch from the submarines and from the land-based sites, and I think they, there was even like nukes in space. Um, you know, it, it was it was crazy. Okay, now everybody waited for the world to end from nuclear fireballs, and it never happened. Uh, well, it hasn't happened yet, I guess we should say. But the Cold War ended, uh, Soviet Union collapsed, and they still have a bunch of their nukes, we still have a bunch of our nukes, we still have all the nuclear submarines and everything else, so it's still totally a possibility. But this was an incredibly tense and paranoid and fearful time for, I imagine, everybody who was aware of it, you know? I mean, maybe in some far-flung places people didn't think about it or know about it, but, uh, you know, in the West this was constantly, like, a thing that uh, we were... You know, it was, it was all about pushing back against global communism, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and this nuclear arms race, and it was kind of tied in with like the space race, and then you had like East, you know, East Germany, West Germany, and these contentious points. I mean, we talked about using nukes in the Korean War. Yeah, it was at least proposed anyway. But this in whole cultural environment led to a lot of media surrounding nuclear exchange, limited nuclear exchange, full nuclear exchange, and um, our our understanding of nuclear weapons, our understanding of, you know, the, the world scale, the global scale of it. It was one of the first times that you really could have had a war that ended all life on Earth, or at least all human life. So we're going to go ahead and walk through a few... Um, various uh, pieces of media, maybe books, maybe movies, maybe TV shows, whatever, and uh, kind of go through what the what it would actually kind of look like if the nuclear exchange had gone forward, right? So one of the ones uh, I want to start off with is, uh, this is kind of under the lead-up area, so you have this lead-up to the apocalypse, right? If it's a zombie thing, you have to have the outbreak of the disease, and then it spreads person to person until it reaches the zombie horde level, right? So in terms of a nuclear war, it doesn't just, you know, it doesn't just happen. You know, there's no story there, right? So one of the first ones I actually saw not too long ago for the first time is this, uh, it was an 80s flick. It was, it was a little cheesy, actually, but it was, it was pretty pretty good. It was called Miracle Mile. And uh, basically the guy goes to meet this girl on the first date, and he's outside the diner, and then this uh, phone in a payphone. Again, for the, the younger millennials, there used to be a phone that was in a box, and you would uh, make calls on it before everybody had a cell phone. So it just starts ringing. And so he goes over and he picks it up, and it's a guy kind of sobbing, and he says that he's in a you know a nuclear silo, and that they uh, launched their nuclear missile that was in the silo, and he was trying to like call his dad to let his dad know, but he called you know the wrong number, and so he called this random payphone. So our protagonist, I don't remember his name, but uh, I think it was the guy who was in. Uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, the white guy that was, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy's partner or whatever. I think it was that guy, but, you know, he was like 12 at the time. 
you know, he gets this message and he's not sure what to do about it. And, you know, he, he's like, oh, my God. He starts kind of freaking out. So he starts asking people, like, hey, I just got this call. So he starts talking to people and he ends up bumping into somebody else who knows something. And then they kind of confirm it. And he starts talking and more people are talking. And then they start kind of trying to, like, come up with a plan. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So it all starts to move forward. And then by, you know, like, by the end of the movie, it, it all started with him. He was the one who found out about it and then it starts to spread and so by the end of the movie there's a chaos everywhere because everybody has now found out about it and everybody's freaking out and it's it looks like you know societal collapse right there's riots people are fleeing everywhere and they're trying to escape on a helicopter and uh it's the lead up to the actual detonation over this was set in los angeles right uh the actual detonation and you have similar uh similar sort of setup uh, in that lead up in uh Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb by uh Stanley Kubrick right it was like one of his first movies and uh this is the setup where which is what everybody was kind of afraid of in in the real world uh that something would go wrong and a bomber with some nukes would get headed to Russia and then the radio wouldn't work and you wouldn't be able to get them back and then they would drop their bombs and start the war completely on accident, right? And uh, Dr. Strangelove is exactly that, right? It's It leads up to... Oopsies. You know, we uh, we they did exactly what they were supposed to do, which was drop the bomb no matter what happened, but we didn't really want them to, and it was a huge mistake, and Slim Pickens is riding the nuclear bomb in because he had to manually break it out of the bomber bay, and he's woo-hoo-hoo, like cowboy with a hat going. Kaboom. Starts the war. And the end of Doctor Strangelove also is the setup, is, is, is at least partially the setup for the whole Fallout series. Uh, they talk about digging mine shafts and building civilization down in these mine shafts, and how they have to have like a bunch of bunch of women to men, and so everybody, all the guys are kind of intrigued, like, hey, yeah, let's go do that. A bunch of women, and you know, we'll go live underground, right? But we'll get to that one later. So uh, there's another one that is. I want to call it a close call. It's it's part of that lead up, but it's not necessarily a nuclear war story. It's uh it's called Failsafe. And there's been a couple reproductions of this. I think it might even be a play. I'm not quite sure, but uh I think George Clooney and Richard Dreyfuss were in a version of it and then there was like an older one where it's it's basically the same scenario as Doctor Strange Love, only they do what they can to keep it from becoming a nuclear war. So let's see if I can you know, I'll include all the links and everything here, but, uh, so these are the lead-ups to how the actual war starts, so you have these, you know, couple movies, and then there's a few, uh, I mean, there's some overlap here with some of these, so you have movies, like I mentioned in the, you know, uh, Cultural Fallout episode, which is, uh, like, The Day After and Threads, right, where, the they kind of propose these military flashpoints with the Russians and that things escalate and rather than you know cooler heads prevailing it kind of just keeps escalating until you have the full nuclear exchange right 
so th those movies contain the lead up, but they continue on into the the aftermath. Those ones I just mentioned that are they're just all lead up movies. They don't go into what the exchange looks like. They don't really go into what the aftermath is, and they don't go into the future of the uh, you know nuclear apocalypse world, right? And there's a lot. I'd say there's more media about that, right? So uh, there was a book I, I found, stumbled upon. I don't know. I don't remember where I found it, but uh, I think I read it in, like, middle school. And I had to, like, Google around to make sure that I wasn't imagining it. But it's called uh, After the Bomb. And this one is it's sort of an honorable mention as well because it's not a full nuclear exchange. It is uh, one, I think, one nuke goes off over uh, Los Angeles. And... A guy and like his brother and like maybe a girlfriend I forget exactly they uh, happened to be in a fallout shelter that was in their backyard because it was kind of like a, a clubhouse kind of thing for them and they close it up and they're safe inside while then they come back out and then like the whole city's all nuked and they kind of run around in the aftermath trying to help people and trying to save their family and everything else and I'd call that a kind of juvenile fiction kind of thing it's like a uh, adolescent fiction teenage kind of thing but uh yeah simple little read probably and if i read it again it would probably be really simplistic but uh you know it depicted you know things like the radiation sickness uh there being like an epicenter to this explosion and the attempts of the public services to handle the catastrophe and that was just with a one nuke over a major city right so then we can go to some of the bigger ones, right? So this is, that was like a limited exchange. It's like one accidental nuke goes off, right? We can move into um, some other ones like, well, The Day After and Threads are two of the main go-tos to me. It's like The Day After and Threads both show like the they lead, they show the lead up they show the escalation of tensions between the nuclear powers and then they show the cities getting nuked and they show people getting kind of vaporized in various ways and you and then you see the the kind of silence afterwards you see the um the the radiation sickness and the the total breakdown of all social services uh, you know, there's there's no clean water, there's no clean air, there's no clean fuel. Um, there's there's no civil order, and then you have all these injured people and people with radiation sickness, and there's very little treatment even today for uh, radiation sickness. Basically, you know, when you're talking about nukes going off, this is the thing: is that there's this explosion that is like. Uh, up to, you know, like, it's like a 10 to 20 mile radius of the explosion itself that, like, actually blows everything apart. And then you have, it's also this intense temperature, right? It's like there, there's a, a fusion reaction happening that's similar to what's constantly happening in the sun. So you kind of temporarily make a little tiny sun on the surface of the earth. Okay, And then, due to that reaction, there's now all this radiation. It's like strontium and uh, I forget some of the other ones, but uh, you, yeah, I'll try to include some of this stuff. But, uh, you know, these highly radioactive particles then get blown around everywhere. 
and then they fall back to earth and they mix with the ash from all the burning things and then you breathe it in and the thing about the radiation is that it doesn't kill you immediately the, the more exposed you get the quicker it kills you but essentially what it's doing this is my understanding as a totally amateur uh, you know researcher is it destroys your DNA okay now it doesn't destroy your cells but what it does is it destroys your body's ability it, it destroys what we call cellular mitosis, right? So when your cells divide, it copies your DNA, and then those two cells divide again, and then you have four cells, and then it makes copy, 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 and that's how your whole body is made of cells, right? Let's go back to high school biology for a second. Radiation, radioactive particles get in there and disrupt the correct copying of the DNA. So when your cells divide, they don't divide correctly, and then other cells don't divide correctly and so then you kind of this is where you get mutations from this is like radioactive mutant stuff basically your body's cells stop being what they're supposed to be so your skin stops being like skin cells and your uh, blood stops being blood cells it's cells but it doesn't function correctly so you basically start to fall apart the more sensitive and higher and more quickly replicating a lot of your your um, your tissues are uh, things like your gums maybe the lining in the inside of your brain maybe it's your eyes you know these kind of things uh, your stomach lining these start to break down and I don't aside from Hiroshima which we when we didn't really Hiroshima and Nagasaki we didn't really know what was gonna happen like we didn't know what the effects were gonna be of this there's not a whole lot of real-world examples of radiation sickness. You have Chernobyl, maybe Fukushima. You have, uh, you know, maybe the survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and you have a few what we call downwinders, who were people who lived in the areas around where we did our nuclear testing. Uh, if you watch the movie, uh, the, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, they kind of go into this in the intro where it's like there's people get exposed to the radiation and they become mutants but you don't really become like a mutant with claw hands or anything it just kind of destroys your body's ability to keep you alive right nausea confusion uh, maybe the lining like I said there's a lining on the inside of your skull for your brain pan and then your brain starts to rub inside of your skull which then causes like dementia okay this is portrayed in uh, movies like The Day After and Threads. And it's very horrific. And, you know, it makes you glad that we never went down that road uh, because it would have been horrendous and the never mind the physical destruction of all of our beautiful civilization that we have, as ugly as it may be, it's better than being rubble piles, right? But that... Uh, the continuous radiation poisoning and the sickness and that whole collapse of uh, the contamination of topsoil water supplies would have that's why people talk about things like it being the actual end of humanity right it's just that it would be there for generations and if you got maybe a little bit of radiation sickness then you might not be able to have healthy children right um 
so that could ultimately end humanity if not all life on earth it also goes into a direction of uh, uh, nuclear winter which is that it kicks up so much dust that it blocks out the sun and then without the sun even without the radiation stuff uh, you, without the sun you can't grow crops right and you know human beings need sunlight and it would create crazy weather patterns and you know large portions of the earth would probably freeze and thus kill all life okay now that is going out into the future a little ways so we're going to pull it back the nuclear exchange itself uh yep after the bomb describes the horrific blow uh, explosions there's a creepily frightening uh, animated film called When the Wind Blows and it has an excellent uh, David Bowie soundtrack there and it is an old British couple who ha are told to you know prepare for this nuclear war that's going to happen and then the nuclear exchange happens and then they live in the immediate aftermath right and you see some of the effects of the radiation on them and it's it's this cute animation at, at first and then it becomes kind of terrifying and it's kind of depressing and <laughs> I'll tell you the truth I'll warn you uh, when the wind blows is it really kind of hits you because of how cute and pastel it starts out and then by the end it's just horrific um, there's another uh, it was a TV movie called Testament starring uh, well it was a young Kevin Costner wasn't it but uh, it's the story of a, a sort of a suburb outside of a major city. I think it was like outside San Francisco or something like that. And they live through the initial exchange. They live through the explosions, but they can't live for too much longer. You know, it's like a couple of weeks and months go on and there's no more food coming in and there's no electricity. And they kind of start to live in the total breakdown of what's left of society, right? And you see the children getting sick and all that and that one really didn't pull any punches much either i mean it's a little cheesy because it was eh, maybe late 70s early 80s it was a little cheesy in in uh you know compared to now but uh it uh it, it was effective for what it was supposed to be now you have another one that i actually haven't seen but i've seen some synopsis of it uh, it's called on the beach on the beach is the story of a bunch of people who flee to Australia and Australia is like the last place that the radiation clouds are going to reach and you know start killing everybody and they uh, the government there like hands out suicide pills and so basically everybody kind of just runs out the clock trying to decide you know well do I take the pill now do I see if I can survive the radiation storms and you know, can humanity survive, or is this the end? You know, and uh, that one—that's—that's uh, that's really one of the ethical kind of dilemmas, right? If the nuclear exchange happened, would you want to live through it? And and uh, it, partially, it's like, yeah, you know, life finds a way, kind of thing. But at the same time, man, it's so—if any of these depictions are accurate, you know, threads the day after. Uh, this one testament was pretty brutal. Uh, when the wind blows, you, uh, you know, you 
you don't, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know if you want to, if you can somehow manage the radiation and you could maybe manage the, uh, the nuclear winter and you could manage the complete uh, societal collapse. You could somehow live underground for like 50 years or whatever the half-life of like strontium 90 is. And then you could come out and start to rebuild maybe. Uh, maybe if you already have your bunker set up and it's already stocked with cans of spam and you've got a breeding population and you've got the guns and you've got everything you need farm equipment and all this stuff maybe you could survive through it but everyone else nah you probably you probably don't want to survive it you probably just want to go out in the initial blast just being honest but uh there's another honorable mention here which is a uh a great somewhat successful uh, little TV series from uh, well, about maybe 10 years ago now. It's called Jericho. And this was the, the little post-apocalyptic show that could. And they, they forced it to go to two seasons because the audience was really, uh, was really uh, tribal about it. And it's a uh, sort of limited nuclear exchange. Uh, a few American cities get nuked and then kind of causes a collapse of uh, greater, you know, the government and civilization in a, in a general sense, and then our heroes uh, try to get a town together and, uh, you know, rebuild their energy grid and try to survive in this, uh, you know, changed world. And that one had, I think, like maybe one episode or so that was involving things like radiation. The rest of it was kind of your general apocalypse themes of, uh, you know, the ethics of killing to defend your town, the ethics of, uh, you know, who do you, who do you, can you take food from people to feed yourself? Uh, can you ena enact, like, uh, fascist authoritarian measures in order to ensure that the town survives, right? Can you order firing squads for people who threaten the town can you take from people and redistribute it in order to keep the town functioning these kinds of uh, you know little ethical dilemmas but uh, so these are these are all kind of representations of the what the actual exchange looks like and then some of the immediate aftermath like the, the first waves of people who die they die in the of injuries and the rubble, they die of radiation sickness, they die from neglect, they die from exposure, they die of hunger, and then we move into the concept anyway. Oh yeah, you could give uh, Terminator, <laughs> the Terminator series kind of gets an honorable mention here. Uh, I'm going to mention that one in different ways. That was a nuclear war that actually kind of ended humanity, but was caused by the rise of the machines. So we're going to get that to that one in a later episode. But uh, when you're talking about the uh, you know visions of the apocalypse is the title of this episode, we're going to go to the actual the post-apocalypse, and this is where there are fun things and there are you know not so fun things. So you have. Um, I was one. There was a, a book that was a another sort of uh, young adult fiction that I um, I found in trying to research stuff for this, and 
there's a lot of this media. There's a lot of nuclear stuff, and there's a lot of nuclear uh, Holocaust mentions in various media and everything. But uh, this one was a neat kind of little short story that is allegedly in production for a movie. Um, God, I need to be clear. It's not a short story, but it's it's young adult fiction, so it reads very quickly, in my opinion. Um, it's called Z for Zachariah. And uh, it's one of these stories where it, it reminds me of Hatchet a little bit in that uh, young adult fiction kind of way, but it's a sort of survival story. You have a girl who lives in a valley, and the nuclear war happens, and her family goes off to try to find help, and they don't come back. And for whatever reason that's you know convenient to the story, this particular valley doesn't get all of the destruction that all the other valley that ever these surrounding areas do. And the radiation doesn't. Uh, there's like a spring that provides a river, and so it's all this kind of little self-contained little world. And she's there all by herself, and there's you know a few other houses in the valley, and there's a store, and so she kind of can get by, and she's kind of planting her own garden, and she's kind of getting by. And then a guy comes in from the outside, and he's got like a biohazard suit, and then, you know, the story begins. Uh, this is a fun little read, actually, and uh, I kind of recommend it. I'm kind of interested to see if they actually can get this into, into production for a film. Uh, but that's sort of uh, one of the, uh, that's that leading edge, the nuclear post-apocalypse, right? Like, these are first generation. They lived through it, and they're surviving, and they're trying to get by. One of my favorite movies of all time, uh, favorite movie series, of course, is Mad Max. And uh, the Mad Max series, really, you know, it starts with the first one, and it's, I think it's, like, before the apocalypse. I mean, things are kind of orderly. It's sort of like there's, you know, roving gangs and things, but it doesn't seem like it's been nuclear war. Um, And even the second one, it's, like, brutal, and you got, you know, Road Warriors, the second one, and you got Lord Among Us, and his his band of, you know, uh, biker, you know, muscle car marauders in the desert. And even that one, I I don't think it's necessarily clear that that it was a nuclear war, but in the third one, uh, Beyond Thunderdome, I think seals it because he uh, Max comes walking into Barter Town, which is of course run by uh, Tina Turner, because it was the '80s, and a guy offers to sell him water. He's like, "Hey, I have clean water," and Max pulls out a uh, a Geiger counter uh, and scans it over the guy's water, and it you know goes crackle crackle crackle. So that means there's a lot of radio radioactive stuff in that water, and the guy just laughs and walks away because he got caught trying to you know sell nuclear contaminated water so i think that cinches it that it's uh, you know the mad max universe is a post-nuclear apocalypse universe and of course uh mad max fury road which was fantastic uh, but that one doesn't touch on any of the nuclear stuff they just sort of are living in the aftermath of it so but anyway let's keep moving forward uh, one of my favorite uh, computer games of all time, Fallout. Okay, if you played Fallout back in the day, what was it, 1996? Maybe it came out. One of the best RPGs I've ever played. Played the game a bunch of times. 
Fallout 2 equally, you know, pretty good stuff, more of the same thing you like, and then eventually now we had the reboot of the series with Fallout 3, you got Fallout New Vegas, you got Fallout 4, it came back with a vengeance, people really liking it, you got Vault Dwellers, so you can build your own little underground vault, and this is where I'll mention again uh, Doctor Strangelove, partially they got the idea for Fallout from uh, the end of Doctor Strangelove, but, uh, Fallout series is a very inventive, and because it's a game, it's interactive um, narrative of the nuclear war, and it has its own call it retro futuristic style where it's uh, it's kind of like the 1950s never ended, but the technology got better, and so everything kind of has vacuum tubes in it, and yet it's it's advanced technology, but it looks clunky and funky. Um, but that is uh, hundreds of years after the nuclear apocalypse has happened, and the people who live in the underground vaults, the underground shelters, they uh, have to emerge for various reasons, and you as a player have to you know, take your character out and go explore the super crazy wastelands with the marauders and the mutants and... Uh, the ghouls and you have to engage in some of those things those ethical problems of when is it okay to kill people when is it not and uh, play a role in the recovery of humanity right you help a farmer find some farming equipment and so now that town can be successful because now they have farming equipment that kind of thing so you get to play a role in the post-apocalypse which makes you feel good and helpful and hopeful (laughs) Um, there's another sort of ridiculous one which is uh, starring a, a, a 12 year old Don Johnson uh, yeah, he wasn't 12 he was like you know, maybe 18 in this movie but uh, it's called A Boy and His Dog so A Boy and His Dog is this campy ridiculous uh, post-apocalypse movie of uh, he has his dog, and him and the dog have a psychic connection where they can they can communicate telepathically with each other, and then they encounter underground survivors, and they want him to stay down there in their you know underground uh, you know safe place. And I'm not gonna ruin it for you. It has a fantastic you know little twist at the end, and you just you gotta watch it it's up for free on youtube but i'll uh i'll put together the the playlist for you um so the, let's let's take a turn here from the fun and the the sort of ridiculous into something that is it's it's a serious piece of uh i'd call it a serious literature it's serious uh sci-fi anyway it's called a canticle for Leibowitz. this is a book that is on, uh, I think I originally found it from uh, NPR's Top 100 uh, Science Fiction list or something like that, and it's a great great way to look at the long-term ends of the post-apocalypse, where you have this uh, abbey in the southwest of the United States, so it's out in the desert, and it's hundreds of years i think after the nuclear apocalypse and they're they're catholic right so there's this heavy catholic theme through the whole book but uh the uh 
the monks have to uh, go out in the desert and do their fasting and things, and then the one guy he encounters this figure who uh, is is Leibowitz, maybe it's implied that he is, and he kind of accidentally points this young monk towards where there's an underground, uh, you know, bunker. He finds all kinds of relics from the before time, you know, relics from the 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 our world, right? And these are of immense importance to them because they are pieces of technology in there. And to them, technology they're kind of like luddites a little bit. They are they like technology, but they're opposed to it. And they know that technology destroyed the world, so they have this cloistered relationship with. Um, with technology and they but they also hoard the knowledge of how to build circuits and this kind of thing well that's like part one of the book then it goes into part two is later after some of even even references directly like some of the technologies and things that they discovered led to a whole new uh, technological renaissance and now you're taking another step forward in technology again and the uh, world sort of starting to recover you're having like uh, more communication and things between different cities and then it moves to the third part and the third part is kind of coming full circle again you have uh, we're building spaceships and we're building and we're building them again we're building nukes again and we're building intercontinental missiles again and we're uh, uh, international tensions are really high and yet you're following the same uh, the same abbey the same uh, you know church and you know it's like Catholicism somehow survived <laughs> the nuclear apocalypse and uh God, I'm rambling, but it's a really good, it's a good book, and it gives a good treatment for the sort of greater, uh, maybe it's the flawed nature of man itself, which will lead to our undoing and the, and ultimately to a nuclear war, right? And Canticle for Leibowitz is kind of like three short stories, basically, Um, but if you, you, you can, you can read it, it's very readable, and it's got good, it's got fun, kind of cool uh, post-apocalyptic stuff, but it's not super. It's not super sexy exactly. It's it's pretty Catholic. <laughs> like there's a lot of Catholic imagery in there and Christian imagery, but uh, it serves the purpose of driving home kind of brutality and uh, and destruction of what a nuclear war would actually look like. And then on that note, we take a step into maybe a strange direction. Planet of the Apes. Not the Tim Burton one, which I've never seen, don't really want to, I haven't heard anything good about it, but the original one, the Charlton Heston one. They uh, astronauts, and they crash land on the planet, and they meet the talking apes, and they, there's humans there, but the humans can't talk, and, you know, take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty apes, and all that. And then it takes until you get to the end, and you see the, uh, spoiler alert, you see the blown up, uh, destroyed Statue of Liberty, and you find out that they've been on Earth the whole time, and, uh, this must be, you know, tens of thousands, if not longer, years later, uh, for apes to kind of have evolved and started talking and everything, um... But uh, this this turned into a whole series, of course. You had Planet of the Apes, 
and then you have the sequel beneath the planet of the apes where uh, they go underground and they find mutated humans who have psychic powers and they have a giant nuke underground and they worship it and and then they eventually touch that one off again and they nuke the whole planet and kill everybody again Uh, and then there was Escape from the Planet of the Apes where some of the ape characters escaped and they came to modern day you know, uh, Earth and that one was ridiculous and then you had Conquest of the Planet of the Apes which was the ape uprising and then them actually starting the nuclear war right and then Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which was, like, in the nuclear aftermath of the ape uprising, you had humans gather together and try to wipe out the apes again, and they had a big battle. Uh, this is nuclear uh, post-apocalypse media, and deserves a mention because it is what it is and would be, you know, maybe tens of thousands of years after the nuclear apocalypse, right? So we come to we, we we already started to get weird right we got weird with some planet of the apes he got weird with boy and his dog we get weird with uh wizards ralph bakshi's wizards gives one of the longest term uh, sort of fantastic uh images of nuclear apocalypse uh you it, it's uh I mean the I mean this movie is crazy. Elves battle Nazis. Wait. Elves battle Nazi goblins in the year 10,000. So nuclear war happens, right? Destroys the whole world and then the radiation causes <laughs> causes mutations and uh you have Elves and fairies and wizards who have magic, right? And the whole world turns into this crazy psychedelic fantasy world. And then you have where the radiation sickness was the strongest. It made these goblins and orcs and demon and demonic figures. And they're ruled by the evil wizard Black Wolf. And Black Wolf is always trying to find new weapons to... uh, fight the war to wipe out the good elves and the good fairies and he finds guns and he finds tanks and airplanes and all this stuff but none of it actually helps because they're not motivated the the, the goblins they're easily distracted and they don't they don't believe in anything and then he finds a, a camera or a projector and he plays for his goblin armies he plays uh, Hitler's speeches, <laughs> right? So now you've got Nazi goblins motivated by Hitler rhetoric, uh, and they stay focused. Now they've got a they've got passion and purpose, and so they launch a war on the elves. And so you've got elves with swords and shields getting mowed down with machine guns, and and it's just crazy. Like you just have to see it and maybe get high first. I don't know. It's, it's just crazy, and it has also has a fantastic little twist ending that you won't be expecting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a ton more, of course. There's, uh, there's more of those close call type ones, like Crimson Tide is one of those close call kind of ones. 
and there's more apocalyptic games and and everything else and there's i think there's probably video games you know in some sense the uh, defender you go back to the atari right or uh, arcade game where you you have your missile bases and you launch the missiles up to stop them as they're falling that was basically the video game of trying to stop your cities from getting nuked um so before i ramble too much about this stuff i mean we feel like we're past this right and i forget the exact count because i kind of broke it down based on the numbers i could find but there are still like hundreds and and thousands of armed nuclear missiles on earth um the u.s and russia still maintain our defense networks and if anything, we probably have better, bigger nukes by now. We probably have ones that can launch into outer space. I don't know. I mean, sky's the limit, right? Well, outer space is the limit. And we keep having nuclear accidents. And even though everybody, I know nuclear power is incredibly efficient and it could be really amazing, but uh, it's so untrustworthy at this point. And uh, this this idea of the Cold War ending... And that means that we're safe from this nuclear apocalypse. Just isn't really true. I mean, it's definitely less in our face. It's definitely less on the table. Um, it's less prevalent. But uh, you've got rogue elements out there. You know, ISIS would love to get their grubby little hands on on some nukes. Um, you've got rogue states you know pakistan has nukes india has nukes they've threatened to nuke each other you know china has them they they decide to nuke each other maybe it causes something else and and next thing you know we've got maybe even limited nuclear exchange would be a part of some of these pieces that i that i mentioned already um and i kind of want you know, this is my take on putting these things in order, right? From beginning to end, this is kind of what would happen. I, I, like, I want people who live in nuclear-armed nations to see some of these things and read some of these things because, I mean, if you watch The Day After or Threads and you see, or Testament, and you see even what they portrayed as inaccurate as it may be it's based on a lot of a lot of cases anyway it's based on science you know not fallout or boy and his dog but you know testament uh the day after and threads um it's based on what radiation exposure looks like it's based on the epicenter of nuclear explosions and the, the targeting of major cities and the effects that it's that it has on people of different ages and and our reproduction and agriculture what the you know destruction of our social services and everything would be and i feel like people all over the world who you know at least in you know nuclear armed nations need to kind of see some of these things just to get an idea of what we're talking about when we talk about nuclear exchange and nuclear war and uh yeah, I mean, you know, I said on the last one, we did the, you know, I did the Viktor Frankl thing. I said we were going to do something fun. There was hopefully a little bit of fun in here for you. Hopefully it wasn't uh, too heavy. 
but uh, yeah, I gave you some re- gave you some homework to do, do some reading, do some movie watching, and uh, try to you know pay, pay attention to these things, and you start to see little connections here and there. Um, there's still nuclear weapons as a deterrence. You still have these themes running through games and movies and whatnot. Uh, there's still nuclear fears, and I think essentially like it's it's the world's worst nightmare when uh, crazy religious nut jobs get their hands on these weapons, um, or a rogue nation gets their hands on them, or someone is just you know able to buy one. You know some James Bond type villain is able to just buy some nukes, and uh, you know North Korea has them for Christ's sake. We uh, we got to be careful. We got to be careful going forward, and uh, we gotta we gotta be aware of how precarious nuclear weapons make the world uh, that we live in, even today, without the scary Russians. So, uh, Kyle Style Podcast. Thanks for listening once again. Uh, thanks for contributing to the podcast, uh, commenting and sharing subscribing what have you i'm up on uh well we're up on stitcher itunes google play we're on podcast addict um i'm uh, on twitter at, at k style podcast and uh, you know redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash kyle style design purchase some original artwork and contribute to the podcast that way uh go over to the gofundme page throw me a dollar and uh, maybe eventually we'll get on Patreon. That appears to be the thing people are doing nowadays, but uh, we'll see. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, hopefully get another episode up for you uh, in this series of Visions of the Apocalypse coming up soon. I'm not sure. You'll just have to wait and see what the next vision looks like. Until then, get caught up on all that homework I gave you. Bye-bye.